Good morning. This is uh, Mary. I mean Ioni Mountbatten, uh, also known as Mary Fadron, and I'm reading from Chapter Eight of One Days Like This. Um, today is Saturday, and uh, having an early morning, not so early as uh, other other mornings. So here's Chapter Eight. The next day, Mary awoke, seeing the sunlight streaming through her blue print chintz curtains in her large bedroom. She got up as soon as she was able to, and then went through her morning routine. Mary took a shower, which she became very confused by because the hot water tap was running cold water. She became anxious and got on the phone with her landlord, Mr. Latka, who suggested that she try the cold water tap to see if that was around hot water. Mary shook her head in dismay and got back into the shower, and true enough, the hot water came out of the cold water tap, and the cold water came out of the hot water tap. Relieved but feeling ridiculous, she took her shower. Her flagging nerves had become revived as soon as she had her breakfast, toast and fried eggs and coffee. She put on a pair of British khaki pants and a bright peach polo shirt and the requisite tan boat shoes. Boat shoes sorry. <laughs> It was all so cool, she thought, as she looked at herself in the cheval mirror. She remembered when they bought the mirror, it was broken when they opened the package, so her father took her to the nearby repair shop to get a new mirror installed. Mary was all ready by eight o'clock and ran down to the front door where she got out and walked to her skyhawk. The, sky, the, car, the car was her father's, but he had his old car that was still working. The Skyhawk was not too big, a compact car, which had a pale blue body and a dark blue top. The driver of the campus took less than ten minutes using the highway that she exited into from the long winding street that was Webb Avenue. The parking lot was gravelly, but it was closer to the lab than if she parked somewhere else. She got to the lab and there were only a few people like Greer and Melody who were giving each other a long update about their experiments. Mary never followed what they did. All she knew was that Greer was a success at isolating a protein called ubiquitin, and Melody was his technician who looked as though she was competent. In Mary's presence, Greer gave a long speech about the ins and outs of purifying this protein, and after some time, Mary thought Greer was giving a rehearsed speech. But Mary didn't care, and she thought Greer was slightly wooden in his manner. She wondered if he was real once when they met in the hallway. Greer had a girlfriend named Olive, and she wore her hair in a perm, clouds of curls on her head that went into tendrils by her face. Olive had a skinny figure, and she was very fashionable. Mary couldn't tell where she worked, but it was probably just as well. Olive did not speak to Mary at all. She regarded Mary with suspicion, and so Mary did not try to make friends with Olive. When Greer finally finished talking to Melody, the technician went to her desk and scribbled on her thick laboratory notebook that she had what she had been told. Mary went to her desk inside the PhD room and also took looked at more of the documents that Karam gave her. Outside her door, she heard Bob come in and greet Melody. Melody went to Bob and gave him a few minutes of an update. Mary wondered what Melody was about, but it was obvious that Melody was more than a technician. She was a real graduate and had an obvious superior manner. Mary remembered when she met Melody that Melody exclaimed to her, 
You have such a great accent. It sounds so American. You have assimilated well. May nodded and smiled slightly. Thanks, she replied, but she wondered whether this remark was a condescending one. Melody parted herself by Mary's desk after she left Bob's office. Hey, Mary, Melody said, still holding a test tube in her hand. I'm having a party at my place this Friday night. Mary felt a slight break in her skin's insulation, if you could call it that. A sweaty feeling came over her palms. Oh, really? Melody, Melody's smile was friendly. Yeah, it's going to be a great party, a blast. Why not come and meet some people? Mary asked, what time will this be party? I'm sorry, what time will this party be? Oh, come whenever. I'll have the party start around 7 p.m. Mary's brain started to work overtime. She hated going out at night, and this woman was not a friend at all. But she had to at least try to be social. Oh, sure. Tell me where you live. I wrote it down for you. Melody bent over her long reddish-brown hair spinning over her shoulders. She wrote on Mary's notepad her address. Mary watched her steadily, praying that this party was going to be okay to go to. When Melody left, Mary sat back and started to feel as though she couldn't take in a breath. Why was she getting this dreaded feeling? It dwelled on in her that for a while, and even when people arrived at the lab, she had to shelve this feeling to another part of her consciousness. Tom and Jacko came in, trading jokes. Not to be outdone, Karen came along after them, and they all started laughing with each other. Jacko was complaining. You know, Tom, I gotta tell you, this trip from Queens is killing me, he said in his Queens accent. Well, your wife is a difficult woman. She didn't want to come and live here. Oh, but you should have been there. I was driving on the parkway and this big semi was right in front of me. Slow as hell and it made me so angry. I had to pop an antacid. It's terrible. His mournful face looked up at Tom's. And then I had this feeling I had to go to the bathroom. I had to cross my legs. It was so bad. They all erupted into laughter. Mary joined in too, but nobody noticed her. She kept her eyes on Tom, who looked like he had just gotten up from bed. His blonde hair was poofy, and his beer belly had gotten too tautly buttoned it up in his Oxford, Oxford cloth yellow shirt. Mary wondered about this guy again. Hi, Mary. How are you today? He said politely. Good. How are you? Oh, not bad. He looked at the black receding back of Jacko. Hey, Jacko, what about going out for a run this evening? Mary turned to her desk and fought against the snub and decided it wasn't anything to worry about. It seemed to be too frequent, however, and her lack of confidence, lack of confidence in the school made it feel even worse. Many thoughts came to her mind, and many of them were thoughts of being inadequate. It made it harder for her Mary to concentrate. She decided to go out and talk to Karen, who was busy working at one packing a box. What are you doing? she asked Karen. Oh, I just had to put some old stuff away. I see. What about the new prep we're doing? Tom said we had to we need to get us a new batch of guinea pigs to isolate the ovaries. That would be a, what I'll be doing. What about if I made a few solutions? Mary asked, feeling stupid. She didn't want to make solutions at all. This was something that lab personnel did. Solutions of buffers and other chemicals to prepare an organ being harvested and make it into a state where they could use it, use its extract. However, she didn't mind after she realized that this was just to the start of her job at Yale. 
her expectations of herself for herself seemed to be too far ahead of what she really was. Bob came out and talked to her. Mary, any more on those fellowship applications? Mary looked surprised. Oh, yes, of course. He looked concerned. We need you to get to that ASAP, okay? Yes. She left his side and went out to look for the director's office. Karim and Bob looked at each other, but neither one said anything. In the background, Tom and Jacko were working on a similar experiment, which they used to cover their own conversation about Mary. She's not that dumb, but I think we're getting on her nerves, Jacko said. Yeah, I just don't know what to talk about. To talk her about. These Asians tend to be difficult to talk to. You never had an Asian girl, I see. No, they're too skinny and they aren't much into fun and games. Some are, Tom, some are. Well, I mean, these educated women, they're into their careers so much. That's where you come in. You're supposed to look sexy to her. They stared at each other. Then Jacko looked at his friend's bulging belly. Gotta stop the beer fest, Tom. Go fly a kite, Tom said blithely. I want to get this woman out of here. When is the next timetable for this? What's your hurry? I can't stand her. Well, I'll work on it. Let's just act like Martin Jeff for the peanut gallery, shall we? And that concludes chapter... What was it? Uh, chapter 8. So we've gone through 8 chapters of on days like this. I don't know how you like it so far. And whether or not it's a bit too plodding, I don't want to be a plodding reader of my book. But um, I suppose you could call it... Um, Something to say, uh, to describe what life was like inside a laboratory where things do not hop and jump as you might think um, it does. Um, I worked in other places, not in laboratories, but in offices. And um, if it weren't for the chatter uh, in, this, in the, the corporate offices, uh, it wouldn't be quite so jumpy as well but I think a lot of people uh, might consider working in a place uh, just as usual and they have their own work to do and they're more concentrated on doing it instead of trying to figure out what people are doing or saying but um, that's just the way I would I would say I would read a uh, a regular person who's working, they're always concentrated, concentrated on their jobs. And uh, so um, I don't know how people are doing uh, working out of the office, how they're doing remote work, and if they're being distracted by home stuff, uh, children, significant others, wives, husbands, um, the pets. But um, I've been working remotely in a way because I set up my own business in 2017 after I left my full-time job. And I enjoyed being with my pets and they enjoyed being with me full-time. And of course, there was my stepfather who uh, didn't mind at all that I was at home so that he didn't have to worry about me out there. Um, so I think that's it for now. Um, I hope you have a good weekend 
and I hope you think of me <clears throat> in a way that's kind. Um, and weekends are not usually the kindest places, the kindest week days of the week for me. I tend to get somehow uh, slashed and uh, injured in some way, but not in any way that one can tell. Um, so um, there it is. I have to go. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.